calling all reactive dog owners. I made a program just for you. Reactive Redefined is an online coaching program that will give you the practical skills and the emotional support to make huge strides in training with your reactive dog. Reactive Redefined is open for enrollment now, but only for a limited time. Reactive Redefined closes for enrollment on January 15th. So if you want to be a part of this life-changing program, head to my website, agfdogtraining.com slash reactive redefined to learn more. to Disorderly Dogs, the podcast for dog owners. If you find yourself in precarious predicaments with your dog, this podcast is for you. I'm Rachel Harris. I'm a certified professional dog trainer, and I hope to give you a fresh outlook on your dog's behavior and practical dog training advice. Right, everyone, welcome back to another episode of Disorderly Dogs, the podcast. Um, this is a reactive redefined case study episode um, because my people are amazing and they devote their time to talk about their experience. So thank you very much for being with me today. So um, do you want to go ahead and introduce yourselves for the listeners? Yeah. Uh, uh, hi, I'm Ashley Tim. Uh, and I'm Katie Stevens. And let's hear about your girl. Let's hear about her. Tell everybody. She's shaking in the background. Uh, so we have a three-year-old pit bull mix named Eleanor that we adopted two years ago from a wonderful organization out of New York City called Brooklyn Badass. And they do a ton of rescuing dogs and cats all across the country. They specifically tend to go into places like Texas and Georgia and Alabama and places where the shelters get really overrun with animals and they will go in and do big rescues and then bring them to New York to get them adopted out and they do really incredible work and they were so gracious to us when we were looking for a dog. That's so amazing. Okay, so how old was she when you adopted her? Roughly 11 months. Of course, we don't exactly know her age. Right. Yes, but that roughly 11 months is what they determined. Nice. Okay, and then did they have any backstory on her? All they knew, they found her on the streets of Selma, Alabama, and she had mange and she was really skinny. And that's really all they knew. Um, the, the backstory that we've made up for her is that <laughs> it was probably a really cute ass puppy that um, maybe a family or somebody got because they were like, oh, fun, a cute puppy. And then realized that puppies are a lot of work and just left her somewhere. She's very social. She's very loving to people and animals. So we just can't imagine that she just spent her whole life on the street because right. she's got such a loving and trusting heart just inherently. So she's super socialized, which just makes me believe that she came from a home at some point, but they did find her on the street pretty malnourished. Right. Okay. So in her early days with you, I know you guys did some training before we connected. So can you kind of share like the reason you did that training, what your experience with that was like? Yeah. So we, uh, I'm a first time dog owner with, with Eleanor. So, uh, I didn't really know what I was doing. And so we were recommended a trainer from a friend and we just started working with her kind of on the leash. Cause she was pulling on the leash when we first got her and just kind of basic, commands uh, to learn how to train a dog for me specifically because I didn't really know what I was doing. Yeah. Um, and he is a wonderful trainer. Uh, he did uh, it's, he did aversive training, which uh, again, I didn't really know at the time being a first time 
uh, dog owner and I, I never really was fully comfortable with that training. It just, it felt kind of icky from the beginning. We had the prong collar um, and we did the corrections to, for her. And uh, I, I just, I had a big problem with it. It just never felt appropriate to me. And I, and I was like, he's like, you need to correct harder. And I was like, I, I really don't want to. Um, and it was, yeah. you know, of course you responded to it. Of course it works, but right. we, yeah, we never particularly liked, I think at one point in time, he, and again, he's a lovely man. We, we, we really like him a lot and he did teach us a lot of good things, but we, you know, he was always like, you're too soft on her. You're too soft on her. And we were like, no, she needs love. She's this sweet little rescue babe. We have to show her that we're good. So I think while we learned a lot and it, it did maybe help rein her in after not having really much training base at all, pretty early on, even though he was like, you should do this, you should do this in, in the aversive training world, we would kind of, when he wasn't around and we weren't doing training sessions, be like, okay, yeah, but we're, we're not going to do that. We're just going to be really loving. Okay. Okay. Great. Great. great, great. <laughs> not do the assignments. And, and we started reading a lot of books that, that were more about uh, positive reinforcement and, and how we can train around those things and, and learning on our own because we were just it, it just broke our heart to do any kind of aversive training because it just felt needlessly mean when, when we didn't need to be. Yeah, for sure. Right. And like, you know, I think that a lot of first time dog owners find themselves themselves in the same situation. You're doing the responsible thing. You're hiring a trainer. You're trying to learn as much as you can. Um, but I think that a lot of people have that in common, right? Like you, I seriously have to yank the leash harder. That sucks. I really don't want to do that. Right. Like it does just like deep down, it feels like it's like, you don't want to have to do that. Right. Yeah. Um, okay. So, so you used the prong collar and you did some of that training. And then once you were kind of like, okay, this is not ideal. Then you started moving towards like, okay, how can we do this more positively and like get the desired outcome? Mm -hmm. So um, as far as what Eleanor is reactive to, I think that she is a little unique because she's not like the typical, like reactive to dog on leash, right? She's very dog social. It's not even a dog reactivity thing. So um, can you share with the listeners a little bit more about like what Eleanor's reactivity looks like in your, your lives? Yeah. So we, we kind of have a scale of like, these are things she's like, she'll react to them, but it's ultimately okay. And then there's like the meltdown zone and the, the meltdown zone, again, she's a unique little sweet beast. She doesn't, she, it's not that she doesn't like men, it's that specific men she doesn't like in our home or, or even wherever we might be staying. Um, the, the, the perfect example is right now we are uh, staying with my parents for just a few weeks and she hates my father with a burning passion. But there's no, but then the, uh, my brother-in-law will walk in the house and she's fine with him. So there's, um, we've, we've tried very hard to deduce what what is it about men or what what's the specific trait that might set her off about men and there is no through line that we have been able to discover at the moment but that's kind of like her meltdown point and then um her other things are, are definitely reactive but they're a little less if you want to talk about her lesser 
things. Yeah, she she's super reactive to cats, uh, and it happened after we have a stray cat that lives outside our building uh, in New York, and she and the cat took a swipe at her one time. The cat was under a car, and we didn't see the cat, and she was sniffing, and the cat just swiped at her, and ever since then she has been on a cat hating lifestyle, and um, really great at it. Um, so it's slowly like built to like going after cats and then lunging at cats and it just kind of like ticked up and we were like whoa we gotta we gotta calm this down um and then she's reactive to, to new stuff like noises and blenders and guitars and vacuums but I mean the good thing about those is you can completely control her react when she interacts with those things so typically if we need a vacuum we'll take her out on a walk and all that yeah. Right. So, okay. So let's talk just a little bit about where you guys were with training before you started reactive redefined. So we did a one-on-one -on -one call earlier in the year, just to kind of like give you some tools and that before you joined in. So, um, as far as the cats are concerned, she was very, well, not consistently, but occasion. Sometimes when she saw cats, I know that it was hard, right? Cause it wasn't like every single time she saw a cat, it was the same reaction. Um, okay, so speak just a little bit to where she was with the cats before Reactive Redefined. So prior to that, if we were, uh, you know, in a place like we are right now at my parents' house where she has a window that she can sit and look out and there are, you know, stray cats in the, in the neighborhood, she'll just kind of like look out the window and intensely shake about it and be really mad she can't chase them. But when we're in New York uh, and we're on walks, if again, inconsistent, but she, she would sometimes see a cat and just start whining, or sometimes she'd see a cat and her ears would just perk up and the, her hackles would raise a little. And then other times she would see a cat and lunge and pull and have a complete meltdown. And we were just like, we got to get away from this cat as fast as possible. I don't know how the cat's going to react. I don't know how she's going to react. We do not need to go to the vet because we've gotten scratched by a cat today. Let's get out of there. Can you tell the listeners what it was about the program that it, that attracted you to it? Like what made you feel like, okay, this is what we can get into to make some progress. Well, we obviously have a mutual friend, our dear friend, Jordan, uh -huh. when we had come back, when the pandemic set in, we had been in San Francisco and when things started to shut down, our true, our first thought was, what are we going to do with this super active dog when they shut the parks down? We're going to be stuck in an apartment with nowhere to go and she's going to lose her mind and we're going to lose our minds. Yeah. What are we going to do? And so... It was also, um, again, my parents live in, in the middle of nowhere in the Midwest. So it was kind of like, hey, mom and dad, would you care if we came in, stayed there for a little bit? Because it's just going to be easier out in the middle of nowhere, both for our safety, but also for our dog to not lose her absolute mind. Um, and so we had, we had come here and we'd been here for maybe a week or so. And my dad had, my parents have both met our dog before and things had been fine. And it, for whatever reason, whether it was the stress of <laughs> this year or, or kind of temporarily moving or, or everything together, whenever my dad would come into the house, it was full-blown panic and not in a, and not in an, an aggressive, she's trying to attack him way, but more in a I'm scared. I don't know what's happening. What is this man doing? Is he coming in to hurt us? Just panic, barking, whining, terribleness. And I had posted on Instagram, hey, does anybody know of any virtual trainers who do the, the positive reinforcement 
we're having some behavioral issues that we're trying to work out and I need some extra guidance. And our friend Jordan saw my post and said, hey, you need to check out my friend Rachel. And then that was when we um, first connected with you and kind of did that early on training. And then over the summer, we've been working on different things that we had talked about. And um, you had posted something about your reactive class again on Instagram and I saw it and I think I reached out to you and I said, so when you say reactive, do you mean like um, barking at cats and chasing lights and freaking out and barking at skateboards and being really mad that men are in the house? And you were like, yeah, that's that's all of those things. <laughs> Great, can't wait to do this class. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I love it so much. So shout out to Jordan. Thank you, girl, for connecting us. Um, so I, I think for everyone listening, I just want to articulate that reactivity takes a lot of different facets, right? And while some of the course content and the exercises may not always be applicable, I feel like I did a really good job of making sure that I was adapting things to Eleanor's specific needs. So you guys want to talk just a little bit about that, like as far as like how you felt about, um, although Eleanor's things weren't presenting the same as everyone else's, still having like tangible things to be doing in the meantime. Yeah, I think, and, and just to, to compliment you, one of the really great things that I loved about this course and, and also so much that you've taught us is uh, the, the just kind of the the training method with the reactivity has given us this skill set to if like a new reaction pops up that we're not used to I feel like we now have the skill set that we really didn't before to kind of train around it and figure out okay these are the steps we need to take to desensitize to to figure out how we can work around this whereas before I think we were we when like new reactivity things would pop up, we were probably both a little bit like, oh no, another thing we have to figure out. And so now it feels like there's a, a consistent through line where we know what we're doing, even if it's a new reactivity or a, a heightened reactivity that she's not usually as reactive to, you've really given us that tool set. And I just wanted to give you that compliment because it has been so useful to us, especially this year, trying to combat a global pandemic on top of training some behavioral things out of our dog. <laughs> yeah, right. And it's it's not easy, right? And like, I think that because of like the city environments that you have lived in, there's so much out of your control, right? Like there's so much, there's so many more variables that I think that without a skill set, it's very hard to navigate. But so much of what I teach you is applicable, right? And I give you the tools and I tell you like, tweak it this way. This is how you can insert it in this situation. Yeah. yeah. So do you want to speak just a little bit about um, Eleanor's just overall confidence? Because I feel like for her, she's a sensitive gal, right? Like, right. And, and I think that that's so much of the reactivity to men is that she just is like, I don't know why you are here. I feel so freaking uncomfortable. So can you speak just a little bit about how Eleanor's confidence has grown and maybe even just like the trust between all of you, like as a team? <laughs> yeah. So she, she is, she's such a sensitive little soul. Um, any new loud sound, it's running towards it, but then barking while backing away because it's like, what is happening? I don't like this. I don't like this. She's uh, another friend of ours who also has a beautiful pit mix. Shout out to Kronk if you're listening. Um, uh, she, my friend Maggie always likes to say that Kronk has big feelings. And so that's, that's what we've kind of adopted to say like, we're just having a big feelings day. 
because yes, it just, depending on the situation, depending on what our energy is like that day, what's happening within our day, if it's a stressful day, because we've got a lot going on, that energy, she, she feels that and resonates with that. And it's, it's very evident on the days when maybe we're both heat up for whatever reason, if it's a busy day or it's a particularly stressful week in our lives or whatever, she, she feeds off that and she reads that very much. And she often is a little more heightened emotionally if we are heightened emotionally, which is tough to work around when it is like a really stressful week, but when we can, but it's also really great because then when we're there, there's that intuitive emotional connection between us all that is really great because then when it's like, we're all having a great day, she's with us, she's listening. And it just, it's, it's this, this, this emotional bond that, and I've had, I had dogs growing up. I've always kind of had a dog pet in one degree or another. And, but this is the first time that I've really, really felt that like emotionally connected bond with my animal. Um, And it's just a really cool feeling. And it's been great to see through all this training that we've been doing this year, how it's helped her confidence. And I mean, the first example I can think of of where it's really resonated beyond the reactivity, because we've, we've seen a lot of progress in the reactivity, but it out of with outside of the reactivity realm in New York city, we don't have the opportunity to let her off leash because off leash areas are typically dog parks. And when, even if we're in an area where like, quote unquote, it could be cool to be off leash. We typically don't because we don't know what other dogs are around and how they'll react. So she doesn't get that opportunity a lot. But when we are with our families in the Midwest, it's a ton of space and there's not really a lot of places she can go or uh, or like dangerous things that she could get into or hurt her. So we just let her off leash and let her run. And I would say four months ago, she was she did a good job of being off leash and was pretty reliable. But even now, just a few months later, it's amazing to see the way she can be a half mile away and you call her and she comes running back without, without a second thought. And it's that confidence both in her knowing I can go and I can run and be free, but they're, they're not going to leave me. They're going to come back and I'll come to you guys when you need me to come. It's that's been such a really cool thing for me to see. And I think that is a perfect example of how her confidence in herself and in us has really been impacted by the training that we've been doing. Yeah, yeah. go ahead. Sorry. And jumping off of that, it's her, her knowing almost to check in with us before something happens. Like last night, we were doing a puzzle at the table and her dad was across the room and he coughed. And so she got up to, to, and started growling and barking. And we looked at her and she looked at us and we're like, make a different decision. And she's like, and she did one little growl and then she turned around and went back into her bed. So it's, it's her checking in with us and trusting that like, let's just, let's take a breather right now. Or, you know, you need to come to me because I know you're about to chase that rabbit and I really don't want you to run into that creek right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, and like, Right. And like, I think that that's, what's so beautiful about positive reinforcement training is that like the positive ripple effects go into every aspect and facet of your relationship with your dog. You know what I mean? Like there's no negative fallout. There's just positive consequences that just permeate throughout your entire relationship. Right. And, and that is, oh my God, it's one of my favorite things, right? Just knowing when the dog's like, I'm having a hard time. Y'all seeing this? You got my back. Okay, cool. Right. And like her being able to be in that heightened state and still think like, 
I'm going to check in with my moms because they know what to do here. Right. Like that's so beautiful. We've also even seen it. I think it's also affected us in a really positive way in that if we're in a situation and she, I don't want to use the term meltdown in this case, but you know, has a meltdown, has a bad reaction to something, but maybe it's not necessarily her fault. And she was just reacting to something that happened with her. I feel like we are now so much better equipped to, to, after we step out of that situation, go, you know what, that wasn't her fault. And I can't get mad at her for reacting in that way when that person was taunting her and she got mad about it. That's not her fault. And, you know, I think it's just given us the ability to read situations better and even read her energy in such a better way to know that like, of course you reacted that way. Of course you did. We can't get mad at you because you had emotions about that. We're going to work on that and it's okay. I think it's just made us more chill in a lot of ways about situations that can occur. And especially you gave us a lot of tools in terms of reading body language that maybe isn't as well known, which I really appreciated. And just knowing how you can see those subtle shifts, even if it's just her shifting forward to go after a squirrel. And I'm like, today's not the day. We've already done it so many times. Let's try to get you focused on me or a different situation. So I, I know that's really helped me just, just realizing when those subtle shifts happen and you can kind of anticipate what she's going to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like something I talk about for everyone listening in the course a lot is when our dogs are having reactions, empowering them and, and really just coming to terms like that actually was appropriate. Right. You know, and I think that it's really hard because in our society, so much of like what people envision about a dog, is just like this dog who walks really nicely on a leash, doesn't make a lot of noise, gets along with everything. Right. And I think that we have to reframe that. Right. And understand that, like, you know, our dogs having a reaction to something that is scary, warranted, right. Completely warranted. There's nothing to correct. It's nothing to be mad about. Like, you know, and I think, just empowering you as the owner to know that like, to your point, Ashley, it's totally fine for her to have emotions, right? And those emotions sometimes come to the surface as reactions and that is fine. But after the fact, then we can look and look at the situation and be like, okay, cool. Now we know this particular situation is a little scary. So if the same thing represented itself, we, we could work through it maybe a little bit differently. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So do you want to talk about how things are going now? Um, post-reactive redefined. So I know you guys aren't in the city now, but I know you made a lot of progress with the cats. Yeah. Yeah, so we, now the stray cat outside our building doesn't bother us at all. We we walk right by it. We go up to the cat and like sniff the cat and the cat's like, cool, I'm, I'm sensing a chiller vibe. Um, <laughs> the cat can read the energy, um, which is really great because it was hard starting because it's right outside our door. So it starts the walk with this big reaction. Um, and now we can just go in and out of our apartment with no problems, which is great. We um, still sometimes have reactions to other cats, but they're, they're a lot less. It's, it's yeah. really few and far between when we have that big lungy reaction, um, which is so great because you just don't know. And it really depends on yeah. the day, I would even say. Mm-hmm. We could see the same cat on a different street two days in a row. And if, you know, again, like trigger stacking or if she's just come off of like, really having an amped up playtime at the park with another dog and then we leave and she's still kind of in that amped up mood she might be more reactive to that cat but if we've been playing and then we've had like a come down moment and then left the park she might be a little less reactive or sometimes it's the opposite way 
she's got emotions. <laughs> <laughs> and also like the smaller triggers are the triggers that we can completely control with the vacuum. We were able to vacuum uh, before we left with her in the other room with a singular bark, which before if we got the vacuum out, it was like a full blown meltdown. So it's just been exciting to like, oh, maybe one day I can just vacuum my home and not have to like go <laughs> in the winter. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. It's and, and, and it was, it took two two days three days of like leaving our vacuum out and putting treats by it and then like touching the vacuum while giving her a treat and then one of us sl slightly moving the vacuum while the other one was giving her a treat and then we and then again in another room with the door shut but a year ago that wasn't possible mm -hmm. so in in those ways it's it's been mm -hmm. drastic improvements um and then with men we, um, we were at my parents' house a few weeks ago and, and she, she's less reactive to my dad, but um, this past time she was able, we were still in the middle of the training. She was able to let her reaction of him go very quickly. It, it lasted, it was the initial reaction when he walked into a room, which is kind of her initial reaction to most men when they enter a room that she's in. Um, but then she was like, oh, wait, it's you and we like you and it's fine. And so that reaction was able to like, just release a lot faster than the previous times when we've stayed with them. Yeah, and we had a repairman come in to our apartment in New York, um, again, when we were in the middle of the, the reactive class. And again, typically it used to be a situation where we would have to be in another room with the door shut and she would still be definitely in panic mode or we would just have to not have her in the building at all even if it was a repair that was going to take hours sometimes we would like call a friend and be like can we dump the dog off at your place because this is going to take a while and we can't just be out with her for four hours um and this time around it worked out that we she still went into when the when the repairman initially walked in we had her in another room with the door shut with one of us while the other one was with the repairman and treats you know, to reinforce that this is okay, this is planned, all is good. And I think she maybe grumbled like once or twice. And then we had to switch rooms so they could do a repair in the room that she had been in. And we asked the repairman, we're like, is it okay? We're gonna, she's on a leash, we're gonna let her out. She might bark, she's harmless. Um, but if she wants to say hi, is that okay? And he, yeah, of course. So we opened up the door and she's on leash and she came out tail wagging and approached him like, hi, how are you? Welcome to our home. And it was this like, who is this dog moment? Because it was a strange man in our apartment. And that feels like a moment that would have been Trouble City, USA. And it went so well. And, and of course, that's only one instance. And maybe the next time it won't go as well. But just seeing that moment go so positively when we've had such tougher times with repairmen or delivery men in the past was such an encouraging moment in the, in the pro in the progress that we've had with her in this training. Yeah. And I think that, you know, I have to commend you both because you really took the skill set that I gave you and you adapted it to whatever situation you were in. Right. And like, I think for everyone listening, I, I often talk about splitting, meaning breaking the training into small pieces. And I helped you guys understand that concept and holy cow, have you been able to execute that so beautifully in so many different situations. Right. And I think, you know, the case with the repairman, I think you were able to keep her from ever going over threshold. Yeah. So that when she met them, she was just normal Eleanor, right? She wasn't in her like flight status of like, this isn't safe, right? She felt safe and in turn was able to calmly interact with someone, right? Yeah. 
And I think that's what's so powerful about the reactivity training is you understanding one situations to put her in, two situations not to put her in. Her body language, understanding thresholds, understanding her triggers. And like, you know, dogs are complex beings, but something I push you to do in the course is like, I want you to write out, literally, let's write it out. What is triggering her? What's specific about that? Because they're emotional, but they're also predictable in some ways. You know what I mean? And, And we really take advantage of that in the course. Yes, 100%. Sorry, she is being, she is rolling around on the ground being like the most ridiculous dog right now. I think she knows we're not giving her attention. She's like, oh, I noticed you were doing something without me. So I figured I'd just remind you that I'm over here. <laughs> talking about you, Eleanor. <laughs> okay, so um, for all the reactive dog owners that are listening right now and they feel overwhelmed, they feel frustrated, do you have some advice for them? I mean, first of all, even if you aren't sure that the reactive class is for you or you're just uncertain if, if it, it can fit into your life right now, or you're just, you're, you're hesitant to step in that water. Um, I would, I would say at the base level, they should be following you on Instagram because you, the, the tips even that you put out on your Instagram, the videos that you put out, those are so helpful. And even before we got into your reactive class, I found those videos to be so helpful in so many ways, even in just some of the things you say about like, it's okay to get frustrated with your dog. It's going to happen. We're human. And it's so weird to say, but it's like having somebody else give you that permission makes you take that pressure off yourself. And it's like, you know what? Today, my dog's being an asshole and I'm mad at them and that's okay. Um, And like things like that, just, I think took the, at least uh, I won't speak for Katie, but it took the stress off of my shoulders that I have to be perfectly calm and kind and peaceful at all times with my dog and be Mary Poppins about it. Like she can have bad days and I can have bad days. And sometimes we're both going to have bad days at the same time and it's not going to be great, but that's okay. And we can step away from that and just take a breath and it'll all be fine. Um, But also the advice I would, I think, and I think that kind of leads into the advice that I would give is to, to, to take some of the pressure off of yourself that you are doing something wrong. Um, you are not doing anything wrongness inherently. Your dog is not doing anything wrong inherently. The dogs, especially if it's a rescue dog, there are things that we can't control within them that, that might've happened to them before they ever came to us. And we might not much like Eleanor, we don't know what those things were. So we often encounter reactions to things that were like, is this because of something that happened in your past? We have no idea. Um, but also as humans, you know, things have happened to us in our lives that like make us inherently react to things in different ways. And so, so much of dog training is yes, about training the dog, but it's also about training yourself. (laughs) And so I think, taking the pressure off yourself that you have to know it all, you have to be perfect about it from day one, and that you have to have a quote unquote perfect dog is just nonsense. Your dog is perfect because it's your dog. And that's all there is to it. And there, there will be good days and bad days, but take the pressure off yourself that you need to have the, the movie-esque perfect dog that sits at your feet and does everything you tell it to. Um, you know? Yeah. And also this isn't really answering your questions, but it's more of a, a, sh- a shameless plug for Reactive Redefined, um, was the community. Like mm. you, you have these group calls and you hear other people's weeks and how they were doing. And it could be a good week or it could be a bad week, but you have this community of people to be like, hey, 
this was a bad week. This, this crazy reaction happened. It happened in front of a bunch of people. It was super embarrassing. And that's something I definitely struggle with when stuff happens at the hello um, at the uh, at the park or or on the leash, and a bunch of people see it and they make these comments, and you're like, oh, it just like cuts you. And to have that group of people to talk to and that community, I think, was so important and so lovely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And yeah. <laughs> that's so much of my intention, right? Because I've I've been attached to the dog. Eleanor's ha ha having a lot to say right now. <laughs> She's I like, I have advice to give. Like, um, piece of advice. Everything my mom said. Thank you very much. Um, good. <laughs> I think you know owning a reactive dog feels isolating until you know that there's a club of people that are literally going through the exact same thing as you. And I think something that was so beautiful about our, our reactive calls is that, in addition to Eleanor, there was another pit bull in the group. And I think that you know there's just a, a different level of pressure. Yes. <laughs> a stigmatized dog. You know what I mean? To like keep them quote unquote under control. Um, and I love so much that you guys could support each other in that. Right. Like yeah. and sh that shared experience, just knowing that you're not alone. Right. That like, you know, you're out and you're still getting those shitty glares from people just like everyone else is, you know, yes. like mom pulling their kids away on the street. It always just cuts me. And they're like, we don't pet pit bulls. And, and you're like, <laughs> no, she loves kids. You can completely, like, yes, a rule of thumb. You shouldn't just, your kid shouldn't just pet every dog. But like the specific, like we don't, we don't interact with yeah. pit bulls. It's always just like, and, and we, you know, we love pit bulls. We, I think when we were rescuing a dog, while we never said it to each other, I feel like I was at least like, we should get a pit bull because they're really great. Um, <laughs> and, and, and of course now we have one and she is wonderful and crazy and the worst and the best all at the same time. And, you know, even before the, the reactive class, they gave us this, this great community. Um, I know that we, if we would see another pit bull owner, when we were out on a walk or at the dog park, we made it a point to go up and say hi and try to befriend them, if nothing else, to have that shared experience. Because for anyone listening who doesn't own a pit bull, it, there is there is that, that stigma that they are mean dogs, that they're aggressive dogs, that they're inherently bad. And we've been in situations where we'll be at the dog park playing and something happens and it's not even anything serious. It's dogs being dogs. A dog did something and another dog said, hey, don't do that. And that's all it is. And it's always our dog's fault because she's the pit bull. And that's tough because we, we often, don't get me wrong, sometimes it is her fault, but we often see moments where we're like, she did nothing wrong, but of course she got blamed. And we've seen it happen to other pit bull owners and we, even in those moments, especially when we see that happen to another pit bull owner, we will also go up and be like, Hey, that wasn't your fault. I hope you know that. Are you okay? Can, can we do anything? Do you want to go into this other like area of the park and our dogs can play? Um, because we know what that feels like and it's a horrible feeling and we don't want anyone else to feel isolated because you have this beautiful blocky headed dog that some people think is problematic. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So um, for everyone listening, can you please tell them Eleanor's IG handle? Because they just, they need to see her adorableness. I think I'm partial because she looks like Waylon's sibling, but still. <laughs> there are times where you have posted pictures or videos of Waylon and I have this moment where I'm like, how did Rachel get a video of Eleanor? <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> they look so similar and I secretly long for the day that they can meet and romp around in the snow together. Um, her handle is at Eleanor Smooter, E-L-E-A-N-O-R. S-M-O-O-T-E-R. I love it. Okay. Thank you for being amazing humans and trusting me in your training process. It's been a total honor. Yeah, thank you so thank much. You. You've, you've, as she's whining at the window at a cat. A cat <laughs> thank you for all that you've done because it's really been uh, life-changing in so many ways. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you'd like to learn more about how you can connect with me for training, you can go to my website, agfdogtraining.com. If you'd like more training inspiration and insight, you can follow me on Instagram at a good feeling underscore NCO. If you'd like to become a member and support the podcast, please check us out on Patreon. You can check us out at patreon.com slash disorderly dogs. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast so that you don't miss out on any future episodes and if you really like this podcast and you want to go above and beyond for me you could leave a five-star review over on apple podcast to help more like-minded individuals find us